will give sight to the blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the dead will live again. The lame will leap, stone will seek the praises of the That your baby boy is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Thank you, Larry and Isaac. Thank you very much. Dusting off the old organ, and uh, <laughs> he even made silver bells a worship time. Amen. Thank you very much. This morning, I want to uh, share with you uh, God's perfect timing and uh, look at the verses from the uh, New Testament uh, letter. Uh, to Galatians chapter 4, and then we'll catch some other verses uh, as we go through the message. But, uh, but uh, just looking at this time of year, and uh, that God is in charge of more than we, more than we realize and more than we understand. And uh, so let's uh, just look at these two verses. Now they read this way, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that you have blessed us with, with so much, and we thank you, Lord, as we worship you on this uh, Sunday before Christmas that that you have come and Lord we we cannot fathom exactly what all that means for God for the word to become flesh and to dwell among us 
And uh, as one, one writer put it, uh, uh, God moved into our neighborhood. And Lord, we, we love you and praise you. And we thank you and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. There was an article a few years ago about uh, what a man wrote an article and gave his idea of uh, what a perfect world uh, would be like. And uh, he made the statement that in a perfect world, you would feel as good at 60 as you did at 17. And you would be as smart at 60 as you thought you were at 17. And, uh, and then he said that in a perfect world, professional basketball and football players would be complaining because school teachers were signing multi-million dollar contracts. And in a perfect world, he said potato chips would have calories, but if eaten with dip, the calories would be neutralized. <laughs> Amen. That was, that was his idea of a perfect world. And uh, what would make, what would make a, a perfect world for you? What, uh, what would it take? What would it be? Uh, uh, ice cream that's good for the heart, right? Or apple pie that prevents cancer? Uh, we'd, we'd be all about that, right? Cheesecake that helps take off pounds. Praise the Lord. Where's that at? You know, we, you know we're, we're, we're signing up for that already. There's some hands raised here. So I can think of all kinds of things from my perfect world, and I know that, that you could uh, uh, think of, of, of all kinds of things for what a perfect world would mean. And uh, since we're talking about perfect things, uh, we'll go back to this verse that we read earlier when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, because this uh, book of Galatians is all about the law and being the law sets free. Their freedom from the law is what, what, what he's writing about here, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full, full rights of sons. Now we find three perfect things here in these two verses. And the first one is, Perfect timing. When the time. And then uh, uh, when the time was exactly right, something happened. Something took place. And that was that he gave a perfect gift. God sent his son. And for the perfect purpose to redeem us. To, uh, to buy us back from sin. And to buy us away from sins hold on our lives each and every day but this morning i just want to focus on on the perfect timing uh, because paul says the time had fully come and uh, your life and mine are in the hands of god now we think we've got it all under control and we're moving and we got plans but if you don't have God in your plans, those plans are going to come to nothing. And, uh, and when we think of this, this phrase that, that Paul uses, when the time had fully come, that word for time, I've told you before that in the Greek language there are, are many different Greek words to express exactly what that means. And there are two words for time uh, that the, the Greeks use, and uh, uh, the one is keros. 
Now, keros means opportune time or, or an opportunity that comes your way or something that just pops up, maybe quite by accident. And uh, uh, then the second word for time in the Greek language is the word chronos. And from chronos, we get our word chronology, uh, the orderly progression of events. Uh, when everything follows its proper sequence is what chronos uh, was all about. And uh, uh, there's, if you go to uh, Sophie and De Carl DeMoss's house, she's got a, uh, you go in and you go upstairs and she's got a, a word, a, a little, I don't know, uh, a piece that was, uh, what was it, what did you call it? Tapestry that she said her mother made. And uh, uh, the words on there in Greek are the, uh, I can't remember what the words are. Do you remember what they are? But anyway, it means time flies. You know, and then uh, the, the, one of those words, chronos, is that chronology, that, that orderly sequence of events as it goes. And that's the word that's used here in Galatians chapter 4. Uh, God did not decide on the spur of the moment to take advantage of an opportune time. And we have to understand that God planned and orchestrated the sequence of events, the chronology of events, and when the time was just right, and it tells us that when the time had fully come, he sent his only begotten son into the world. In Acts chapter 17, we read this verse, from one man, God made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and look at this last part of this verse. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. And that scripture simply says God is in control. And it's not by accident that you're living in the day that you are living in now and that you are here. From the Old Testament, we go back and Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, he has made everything beautiful when? In its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So your life and my life are in the hands of God. God keeps the clock. And God has made everything beautiful in his time or in its time. So... Now let's think about perfect timing. We're going to look at the Old Testament. We're going to go to the New Testament and the life of Jesus Christ and in our lives too. So in our journey, the first place we're going to go is the Old Testament. God's perfect timing in Old Testament events. In Genesis chapter 24 is the story of Abraham's servant being sent back to their homeland, uh, to the town of Nahor, to find a wife for for his son Isaac and the servant felt the pressure when he got there of his assignment and he didn't want to fail so when he arrived he knelt at the well where there was, it was the gathering place in that in that culture in that time of the world they would gather at the well for water and everybody would come and and they were they were gathering time at this well and he stopped and he prayed and he prayed that God would send the right young woman to this well and that when he asked for a drink she would also offer 
to water his camels as well. And that's no simple fact or simple feat that she was going to accomplish. Now, what do you think the odds are of that happening just that way? And when we stop to pray about things, what, how do we pray? What are we praying for? What is it that we're visualizing happening? But this was his prayer. And uh, as he was praying in Genesis 24, the Bible says that Rebecca came to the well to fill her water jar. And the servant turned to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. And she said, well, drink, my Lord. And she lowered the jar so that he could uh, have a drink. And after this verse, I've got it up there. I don't know if it's big enough to read. But after she had given him a drink, she says, I'll draw water for your camels too. And until they have finished drinking. So at just the right time, at just the right place, God sent Rebecca to meet the servant, and she ends up becoming the, the wife of Isaac. Then we move up in history to a man by the name of Joseph. Remember Joseph? He was the favorite son of, of Jacob, grandson of Isaac that we just talked about. He had this coat of many colors because he was the favorite son of, of 12 sons. And uh, they were all jealous of him. They were all jealous. So one time he... When he went out to see them, they decided to take his coat and throw him into a dry well and let him die. But at just the right time, a caravan making its way to Egypt came by and they thought, hey, we can sell, make some money here. Let's sell our brother, make a few coins, and uh, he, could, he could live and, and uh, he'd be a slave to this guy. So they made the the arrangement. So at just the right time, Joseph arrived in Egypt. At just the right time, he had interpreted Pharaoh's dream. You read further on in the story, at just the right time, Joseph rose to great power in Egypt. And at just the right time, a famine struck, and his brothers made their way to Egypt, and the family was reunited. Years later, Joseph said it exactly right when he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. At just the right time, a little baby boy was put in a, a basket. And this baby named, he would later be named Moses. He was placed in this basket and, and set to float down the river Nile. And his sister would be watching him and going along the reeds and keeping an eye out and at just the right time Pharaoh's daughter came out to bathe and just the right time the baby cried and Pharaoh's daughter heard the cries and the result was she named him Moses for she drew him out of the water an Egyptian name and he grew up in the household of Pharaoh at just the right time David happened to be there to hear Goliath shoot his big mouth off, right? And uh, let the Israelites know they were about to be exterminated. Well, that made David mad. What do you mean listening to this? I'll kill him. I'll take him. I took care of the bear and I took care of the lion. I can certainly take care of this uncircumcised Philistine. And he, and he did. And, it, and at just the right time, Esther was made queen when her people were about to be exterminated. And uh, 
her uncle Mordecai said to her in Esther 4, Who knows but that God has made you queen for just such a time as this. Praise the Lord. You see, God's in control. God's in control. In Daniel 2, 21, we find these words. God changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. Washington thinks, or the house of uh, whoever, they, they think they, they're the ones in charge, right? We need to understand that God is in control of time. Nothing is happening in this world that surprises God. God doesn't look around and say, oop, I didn't think that was going to happen. You know, God's in charge. And we, we see that in the Old Testament event, events here. Now let's see the, 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 what it says about the life of, of Jesus. <clears throat> when the time had fully come, God sent his son. In other words, the time was right. The time was right for Jesus to come. Now, we don't know, well, why would God pick way back, you know, 2,000 years ago? To, why, why not today? Boy, we've got all these advancements in technology and, and things. Boy, God could really, well, well we, we're trying to pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, but why did God pick that? Well, he'd been working all along for it to take place then. Now, when you give a special gift to your special someone, uh, you want the timing to be just right, don't you? <clears throat> and so when God was ready to send his son into the world, everything had to be just right. And uh, it was the right time culturally, as we think about <clears throat> the fact that 300 years before Jesus, Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world. And bringing with him the Greek culture, Greek philosophy, and more importantly, the Greek language. And so by the first century, Greek was a universal language. Now here's a, a map in the dark. Now you can't see really a lot of, a lot of that in the background. Uh, the contrast is off a little bit, but this is the, the, the land and the countries that Alexander the Great took over. So the Greek language and Greek culture, everything involved was, this is the parts of the world that, that Alexander 300 years before Jesus. <clears throat> now, it was just right for the spread of the gospel. The Greek language was used on the parchments, on the writings and what they did in, in order to, to, to keep everything recorded. A, a universal language was spread. But by the first century, uh, in Jesus' time when he came, Rome had conquered most of the world, and a Roman named Octavian came into power. So, so powerful was this Octavian that the Roman Senate named him ruler of Rome and all of the empire. But they didn't like the title king. That just didn't set with them. So they used the word uh, uh, Augustus, the August one. And so Caesar Augustus became Octavian's name and he became the first Roman emperor. 
we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a, de a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So God used <coughs> a pagan government, God used a pagan emperor, and a pagan decree to make sure that Mary and Joseph made the 80-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that Jesus could be born in Bethlehem just as the prophets foretold 700 years earlier. Now, along, along with this, the Romans, uh, the red lines, I don't know if you can see them, but the red lines are a ro road system that the Romans established. And if you were a Roman citizen, you could travel without crossing all of these borders and visas and, and uh, passports and whatever documents you needed. As a Roman citizen, you could travel from one end of Europe to the other because that's the, where the Romans ruled. <coughs> and I think the next picture in the, in the white lines, you can see shipping travel. Uh, so there was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus who later became Paul, a Roman citizen. And in starting the churches and having the freedom to travel, he could go anywhere he wanted. And, then, and God had orchestrated this and set this up and moved it along. And, and Saul, Saul of Tarsus, riding along a, a, a desert road on horse and knocked him down by great light in, in uh, Acts chapter uh, 8 and 9, and, and called him into the ministry and, and opened up this, all of this because of the Romans and using them. <clears throat> you can see the, also the timing of God's, God's work in the life of Jesus. Have you ever noticed as you read the Gospels how often you read the words, the time has come or the time has not yet come? For instance, Mark 1.15 says the time has come the kingdom of God is near whose time who's watching the clock who determined that it was the right time what's he talking about here in John chapter 7 <clears throat> Jesus's brothers encouraged Jesus to go down to Jerusalem and perform his miracles there but Jesus says the right time for me has not yet come Remember what Jesus said to Mary at the first miracle, the uh, wedding in Cana? Uh, you know, woman, why do you do this? My time has not yet come. It's not time for, that, for all of this to happen yet. And in John chapter 7, to finish the first part of that story, his enemies tried to seize him, but you, they couldn't because they were, the time for him had not yet come. Somehow Jesus escaped capture on that particular event. And the Bible says it's because his time had not yet come. Whose time? God's time. That's, that's whose time. And in the upper room on that night, in the upper room experience, and there the, Jesus uh, initiates the, the, Lord, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, and, and uh, what we call communion, and, and the taking of the, the bread and the juice, and... Uh, the whole language changes. The whole language changes right there. In the Garden of Gethsemane, 
uh, Jesus prays, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. And to his disciples, he says, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Then he says to those who, who came to arrest him in the garden, he says, this is your hour when darkness reigns. And then Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time, there it is again, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. If God was in control, it comes down to this. If God was in control during Old Testament days, and if God was in control of timing during the life of Jesus, then I believe that God is still in control of time today. Amen? So God's perfect timing is in our hearts and in our lives. And that brings up a, a very important question. What about your life and mine? What about our lives? And if you're a Christian, you look back. You look back at when you were saved. What about that day when you finally gave your heart and life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Or when you came to the altar and, and turned your, your heart completely over to him to be entirely sanctified? I can think of people in my life at that time and events that took place in my life at that time that those people aren't in my life anymore you know there was a Paul Oyer and June Oyer and and uh, and uh, our our pastor uh, Bill S Simmons and uh, and for our friends there in, in the Bryan uh, Church of the Nazarene touched my heart conditioned my soul was conditioned and the events God put all of that together. So when the seed was planted in your heart, when you became saved, it took root and it started to grow. And it started to, to, to produce fruit in, in your life. So here's the promise. No matter how difficult and no matter how tough life may be and no matter how disappointing things might be, God is still in control. He still has the last word. Not, not the devil and not the doctor and not anybody else. Amen? Our faith and our trust in him gets us through difficult times. In Romans chapter 13, Paul writes, The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. <clears throat> Wake up, he says. If you're a Christian, he's writing to believers. If you're a Christian, wake up. Rejoice. Receive what God has for you. But if you're not a Christian, be concerned. Be concerned because the clock is ticking. And time is going to come down. We used to hear more and more of this, or more of it, in a previous generation, amen? Uh, there was a lot of last days preaching before, and it seems we, we've gotten away from that. But the clock is still ticking, and there's not a lot of time left. And one of these days, <coughs> we're going to hear the trumpets blow, and we're going to see glo the glory of God coming in the sky. Are you ready for that? 
Are you ready for that? I don't know how more, much more direct to make it. Have you asked yourself what time it is in your life? Or do you, have, you think you have time to play with? I'll kick it around some more. Do my thing. Or we can take advantage of this opportunity of what this might mean. Realizing it's in God's chronology. He has led you to this moment when you can give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. Ruth, if you'll come. <clears throat> it's all in God's hands. It's all in God's timing that Jesus Christ came. It's all in God's timing that, that you're here today. And we're going to sing the chorus that we sang uh, for, for our prayer time. Oh, come, let us adore him. I don't know what better way to, to close things out this morning. And, and with every head bowed, and, and, uh, or if you need the words, I think we know them. We can look up here and, and sing this song together. The altar is open for you to come up and stand. Or you can kneel between the uh, poinsettias. Uh, but uh, let's worship the Lord. Let's give our hearts completely to Him. Let's not walk away. Let's not walk away unprepared. Let's sing. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh. thank you this morning we give you praise that we can open your word which is so so beautiful to us as we just ask Lord each time give us wisdom to understand help us to to read and, and put it together and and Lord each time we do something new pops up and something something wonderful is there for us to grab a hold of it and Lord it's it's alive you tell us that that your word is alive and gives life. Father, we can see that. We can understand that. It's more than ink on a page. Lord, it's, it's life. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for, for each one that is, uh, is here today and each one that's listening, Lord, to, to your word and we ask, Lord, for your blessing. We ask, Lord, for you to be with us through this holiday season. Bring us back tonight as we rejoice and have fun. And also, Lord, for, for, for Christmas Eve as we, 
as we take a time to, to pause and to rejoice and to lift you up. And we give you thanks for all of this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Merry Christmas.